Hello and welcome to Talking in Stations. This weekend we have a special show for you themed on Memorial Day. Our host, Matterall, is away. So today I'm your guest host, Carneros. And with me, I have Dirk McGurk as co-host. Uh, thank you for coming, Dirk. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me again. Uh, this weekend, we have some special guests. We invited two groups specifically because it's Memorial Day weekend. One is called Best of Us, and the other is called Broadcast for Reps. Best of Us provides support to veterans and active duty military that play EVE, and it doesn't matter what country or around the world they are. And Broadcast for Reps provides support for those suffering from depression or just need someone to talk to. Uh, so we're looking forward to talking to these guys this weekend. We also have special guest Garst Tyrell from Triumvirate, who has a great story to tell us about last weekend's uh, XIX evacuation and stuff happening on that side of the map. Also, we have a guest from Bombers Bar, Nova Valentis, who's going to come talk to us about that longtime whale hunting group. I don't, I don't know if you've ever flown with them. I have. It's been a few years, but it's a lot of fun. And we'll see uh, what's going on in EVE Online with Bombers Bar. So before we get going, let's go around the room and have each of the guests introduce themselves in their own words so you can hear their voice and associate it with them uh, for our podcast listeners. Jay McLean. Hey, everybody. I'm Jay McLean. Uh, just a dude who plays Eve uh, and started Best of Us, a community for military veterans uh, in Eve Online. Uh, past that, just uh, just just guy. Nice. Marrowbone. Uh, hey, I am Marrowbone. Um, I play with Triumvirate in game, but I have currently been promoted and I'm now the CEO of Broadcast for Reps. Congratulations, Pat. Uh, Nova. Hey, I'm Nova Valentis. I'm an FC in Bombers Bar. You can identify me by the German accent. Garst. Hi, everybody. I'm Garst Tyrell. I'm the leader of Tri Alliance and also the head FC. Nice. And Dirk, I think people know your voice, but introduce yourself. Hey, yeah, it's uh, Dirk McGurk from, uh, well, typically host of the Open Comm Show, as well as a member of Crusaders in Tactical Narcotics Team, a sub entity of the Imperium. <laughs> Amen. Sub Let's hear it for sub entities of the Imperium. Okay. Um, let's uh, let's start with the Memorial Day special part uh, and uh, talk to to best of us and broadcast for reps. Uh, why don't we why don't we why don't we go ladies first and start with broadcast for reps? What tell us uh, tell us what you do and uh, uh, how you approach it. Tell us tell us your message and please assume some folks have never heard of you and haven't been playing EVE recently or just started? Okay, well, um, Broadcast for Reps was an organization originally started by um, Coffee Rocks and was funded through some streamers and things like that when it first started. It like was like kind of like hooked up and there was a lot of people from Brave involved because it was started um, to kind of honor and remember um, John Bellicos to start. Um, We've obviously since like moved on from that. Um, I wasn't involved back then. I'm kind of newer to the program. Um, but what we 
do is we are here both in game with an in game channel, which is broadcast for reps. And then we have our Discord server. Um, and what we do there is basically you have a bunch of other Eve players and volunteers. You have my moderators and admin there. And they're basically there to help people who are having a hard time either you know, with their real lives or something's happened in game to them that has caused them to be you know, upset and kind of need to reach out for a little bit of help and basically peer support, which is what we specialize in. It's kind of gamer to gamer. Like, you know, we understand where you're coming from. We play the same things you do, and we hope that we can help you and talk to you. And then, you know, if necessary, um, we go as far as to like, you know, kind of refer people to get outside help or help them make outside contacts so that they can get the help that they need so that, you know, some of the more serious cases don't end up in, a, you know, a bad way. You know, Eve kind of has a reputation for being a little bit vicious um, on the player side, player to player, and Broadcast for Reps is there to remind players that it doesn't need to be that way. And really, you know, at the end of the day, we're just all people and we're here to help each other. Amen. Nice. Um, what happened with, because you said Coffee Rocks founded it. Um, um, where has he gone and, um, yeah, how's he doing? Uh, Coffee is doing really well. Um, basically, like I got involved with Broadcast for Reps probably about a year and a half, two years ago. Um, when I was getting involved, it was kind of at the point where Coffee had been kind of operating everything really solely by himself. And he was kind of getting like that burnout thing. Um, so when I came into the picture, um, just kind of with my background and my experience and like mental health and what I was willing to do and what I was offering them, Coffee um, added me to the board with um, himself and a few other people. Uh, and uh, in the past few months here, he's actually decided, uh, he made me CEO of the in-game channels and stuff. And right now we are actually in the process of transferring the nonprofit to myself as well, because he just kind of needed a little bit of a break like we all do sometimes. And uh, myself and a few other members of Broadcast for Reps, such as Tavanis, have stepped up and, you know, this is an important movement and we don't want it to be shelved just because he needs a break. So he'll still pop in from time to time to say, hey, and check in on us. But he's basically left the day-to-day -day operations to kind of be restarted by myself and the other current active members. Now, if we're flying around and we've got a corp mate or a fleet mate that we think uh, should know about broadcast for reps, how do we how do we tell them to get in touch with you? What what's your public chat channel? Uh, well, our like public chat channel in game is the broadcast for reps. You know, spelled exactly like that. Broadcast space for and then space reps. Um, where we have a lot more activity though is probably on our Discord server, um, and I'd be happy to get you the links and stuff for that so that you can post them up uh, after this or sometime. And you know, that's where we have the most people and probably do all, most of our work is from the Discord server, but people are more than welcome to reach us in game too. Nice. Now, you know, over the years, over the years with broadcaster reps, uh, you know, it's kind of had some ups and downs. I mean, you get, you've got people out there that are, that are concerned that there is sort of, you know, a channel of non-professionals helping people with something that would normally be directed towards professionals. Um, you know, and I, I think sometimes it gets kind of a bad rap from that standpoint. Um, can, can you sort of explain 
what it is that the channel is sort of there for um, on sort of the, you know, the, the normal day to day. And then, you know, how you also recognize the fact that you're not professionals. Uh, I guess like probably recently in the past like several years is kind of like a trend within our country as well. A lot of places like in real life have opened up which are basically known as peer support organizations. Um, that is where my background is and why I got involved with Broadcast for Reps because I kind of have a special knowledge about that. Um, so basically what Spam for Heels is, is like I said, like we're not professionals, like we're not you know, gonna be able to necessarily give you the same advice like that a psychologist or a psychiatrist or you know a nurse or whoever a therapist is going to give you but we are there basically to be your peers like a gamer to gamer peer to peer thing and we're there to listen to you you know share our experiences with you let you share your experiences with us and you know try to just kind of like feel you out and let you know that you're not playing this game alone that you know we've all been there we've all had our ups and downs in eve we've all had our ups and downs in life and that you don't need to feel like that you're by yourself if you're going through that or if you're having a rough time you know whether it's you've just been kicked from a corporation and you're upset and you want to like quit the game or whether you know something's happened in the game that kind of manifested on top of everything that you had going on in real life and you just need somebody to talk to and hear you out that's kind of what we're there for now, what is the relationship like these days with with the Eve subreddit? Um, when you have, you know, wh when somebody may appear on there and you know begin to say something that that you know might be you know might be considered uh, you know a call for help or something along those lines. How is Reddit Eve uh, handling that these days and the relationship with B4R? It's actually changed kind of since I've taken over B4R. Um... You know, I've talked to them, they've actively talked to me. And basically the way that that's handled now is if they see those kind of posts. Um, obviously the last thing that we want is for those people to be trolled by the NEVE community as we all know happens on Reddit, like every day. It's just a natural thing, it happens on Reddit, happens on the EVE Online Facebook group, it's what happens. So what Reddit has kind of done is that they will see those posts and they will refer those players to come to spam for heels and broadcast for reps to deal with their problems because Reddit probably just isn't the best place to do that uh, for some obvious reasons. Well, I think, it, you know, I think at one point, if, if, if uh, a post like that actually went up, there was almost a, a deleted, mainly out of fear that it would get trolled, right? But you're saying that basically they are, they are referring it in what I'll call a, a, you know, a proper way now. Yeah, they basically have like talked to us and they, they do have that like, you know, let's like delete this, but they've also taken the steps to be like, well, if we're going to like take this down or if we're not going to have this deal with on here, let's give this person, you know, the tools to get to people that can actually like help them with this so that it doesn't turn into a problem. Now, maybe, you know, maybe at this point, it's probably a good time to, to uh, you know, unless we've got something specific, you know, again, for, for broadcast for reps, maybe bring McLean in to kind of talk about Best of Us, because I think that, I know that there was a relationship there with Coffee Rocks, you know, uh, you know, you know, back in the day, and I'm, you know, I, we can probably get to a point where there's a bit of overlap between these organizations, um, you know, so McLean, why don't you hop in here, tell us a bit about the formation of, of Best of Us, um, if, if you can tell us kind of where the name came from, because I, th I think sometimes there's some, the, there's some misperceptions out there about kind of even, you know, the name, you know, so take us back to sort of the formation of it. 
Okay. Um, so it started uh, 2014. So I started playing even 2013, shortly after I medically retired from the Army, um, which for anybody who doesn't know, uh, they, they'll separate you from the Army when you can no longer physically conduct uh, the job that you signed up for. Uh, with me, uh, it was because of uh, some shrapnel in my leg and some traumatic brain injury and some PTSD. Uh, so going home, uh, I didn't have a social support network and I had a lot of time to fill up. So I started playing Eve and then in Eve, I started to uh, started to play faction warfare and I ran into a guy who was a Brit, uh, but he had a certain kind of manner about him. And uh, it led me to private chat with him. I was like, hey, uh, by any chance, were you in the, were you in the army? And uh, so from there, we got to talking about uh, both of our times that we spent in Afghanistan. And that put me in a lot better place, being able to have that kind of connection with somebody who had a like experience with me. Because it's very hard to connect with people who, and even inside of uh, all military service, if you haven't gone to a specific place, it really is kind of hard to make that connection that uh, you can have that, that shared knowledge about a very specific place and a very specific way uh, that it affects you. So after seeing how much it helped me, because uh, for lack of a better term, like I was a hot mess when I got out. Uh, so, you know, I was very shut in. I didn't leave my house for like two years. Uh, things were pretty bad, but things started getting better when I was able to talk with somebody who had a like experience because I got disconnected from my community that I had in the army. Uh, and for anybody who doesn't know, when you're in the military, the small group uh, connections that you make with people it sounds kind of cliche, but with the amount of time that you spend with people and the types of things that you go through with these people, um, the connections are very, very, uh, it's almost intangible uh, to explain it to somebody who hasn't experienced it. Uh, but it, it's as if it's a sort of familial connection, like they are directly like actual family. So in disconnecting from that, it put me in a really bad place. But I was able to kind of get that connection back by talking to another vet who had a similar experience that I had. So after seeing you know, what an improvement it could be for me, I talked to uh, Pukin and uh, Mean Harry uh, when, they were start, when, they were, when they were still in Podside uh, podcast. And I said, hey, I want to get this group together because if it can help me, uh, given the stuff that I had gone through, I think it'd be a lot of... Uh, a lot of help for for other people and maybe who aren't dealing with that uh like maybe ptsd but are dealing with that disconnection from uh, a small tight-knit community group that has a shared experience so we got the ball rolling on you know getting an in-game channel together i was talking about it on podcasts um shortly after that i uh talked to dirk and started doing open comms with him to kind of get the word out and they were really good at kind of projecting that message out there and was uh, super helpful at the time. And I made the decision that uh, this is kind of critical to leave my house, like, cause I hadn't gone X amount of miles outside of, you know, my home for a good long time to go to an E Vegas uh, that year. Uh, it just kind of on a whim, on a drop of a hat, I said, okay, I'm, I'm gonna go out to Vegas and you know, we're gonna see what all of this is about. And I went to Vegas, uh, it was, 
uh, it was an experience, right? Uh, anybody who's been to a Eve meet, at first there's apprehension if you've never been to one, but once you get there, you get that kind of intimate tie, that connection, that that sameness with other people who you know they play Eve. And as long as you play Eve, it's kind of all right. Like it doesn't like nothing else really matters at that point when you're face to face with other Eve players. So after you know doing all of this, uh, I did. I went to Vegas the, the following year and did a talk about social support networks in Eve Online, which uh, everybody pretty much participates in. If you're in a player group, you're basically in a in a peer support network, um, and it's kind of important for people to realize the connection that people can draw from you know the in-game experience it is very much parallels what people can see inside of military service obviously it pales in depth but at the same time it's a very real connection that you have with other people so um you know that's i guess kind of it in a nutshell i kind of went off on a tangent there but um yeah so we're right now we're a community we have uh, a discord server uh, that's been furnished by the good people over at uh, Discord. We have one of the, the fancy ones that can hold a lot of people. And they gave us uh, kind of a cool little vanity uh, URL to join. And we're just, we're a community now that um, we talk about stuff inside of, you know, specific member channels. We're there to act as peer intervention. But I, it started out, I focused on the... I focused on the suicide problem because uh, if people don't know inside of the military community, we have a very staggering suicide uh, issue within our community. Um, and initially I really focused on that because I had uh, lost the guy that I had deployed with. Um, he had overdosed uh, trying to deal with his PTSD. So I've got, I've, I've since, gone away from focusing on the suicide message because if we keep harping on that suicide message and we keep people thinking that you know this is the inevitable end this is going to be the outcome of what to, you get people into a line of thinking that okay well that's just the inevitable end but if we don't focus on that and we focus on making sure that people feel that they belong with an in-group that has their shared experience like we don't have to be so dour about like the reality of things because there's enough shitty things in this world that we don't constantly need to be harping on suicide because we all know it sucks and in the military community it's touched a lot of us um so focusing on and maintaining a more of a positive idea of just having a community where guys are there together we can do peer intervention if that is necessary uh, which amongst the military veteran community peer intervention is probably i don't let me just say, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a uh, mental health expert. I have dealt with a lot of my own mental health issues surrounding all of this stuff. And I've taken my experience in dealing with that. And I now use that experience to kind of temper the way that I deal with this kind of stuff inside of our community. Um, but like the best thing in the military veteran community is going to be that peer-to-peer -peer intervention, just because we have such a strong connection with one another given our our shared experience uh it's really hard to get that from a mental health expert unless that expert has in fact gone and done the same things so uh, in our particular community that shared experience almost overrides other forms of connection at least uh for the effects of peer-to-peer -peer intervention and dealing with that kind of stuff jay is there something special about eve online that makes it 
uh, a better environment for active duty and and former service members to to play because you see a lot of them or you meet a lot of people yeah the game is pretty lousy with military veterans and so i've I've thought about this for a long time and i probably should have wrote an article a long time about this but i'm super lazy um but what makes eve online in particular really great for military veterans is the fact that it very much mirrors uh early human evolution it's a very harsh environment if you don't team up with somebody else you're probably not going to get ahead but the benefits of teaming up with somebody else working as a tight-knit community to achieve whatever objective or goal that you're trying to do inside of this uh, really open sandbox that reflects what we see in service what we see in combat and what we see in early hominid evolution so all of that um makes it one of the most ideal places for military veterans to kind of find that hey if i'm in here and i work really good with this tight-knit group uh like we can achieve something and that's uh, what we get a lot in the military service because we focus a lot on on team building exercises and uh one person working on their piece of the pie and performing that function to help the benefit the whole uh, actually I well, <clears throat> sorry Hold on a second. I actually want to go to a question that came up out there and uh, out there in channel, and and I think they're you know actually trying to kind of kind of get an understanding when they ask the question. But they say if people if, if people know how depressing the military is, then why join? And 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 my very basic response to that was it's not so much joining the military; it's actually the leaving. It's actually the coming home and trying to readapt back into uh, non-military society and the loss of what was left behind. Do I have that right? Oh uh, yeah, so and that's that's that should really be focused on. So, um uh, being part of a team where you are working in an environment where you very in reality could die. But you put all of that aside because whatever the team is trying to accomplish as a goal is your priority. And by you participating and doing your best at your job, you're helping to create conditions where those other people hopefully won't die. So that connection is very, very strong. And then we live inside a very separated and segregated community. Um, like we live inside of the walls of a military base. We have our own uh, you know, family support groups. Everything we do is very insulated, but it ideally is almost, I want to say, the perfect, like almost leave it to beaver life that you could kind of have because you have very supportive neighbors. You have other families that know exactly what your family is dealing with and do a really good job at being there and supporting one another. Um, so while some people may not agree with the military as an idea, I'd say the execution that we have in community could definitely lend a lesson uh, at least in today's times as to what we could achieve and how good it can be for people. Now, one of the things you were talking about there before were the suicides. And I think here in the United States, the average is still somewhere around, what was it, 22 a day? So the, the figure 22 a day came from reported studies. Um, so that's not also tracking that some states don't report um, a veteran's status when in fact they do uh, commit suicide. Uh, so it, state to state, they don't exactly report uh, on that specifically. So that's the best numbers that they had to achieve that 22 a day um, number that they had. But 
I try and not focus on that as much. But yeah, and to get back to answering a question that I didn't answer, the name came from when I was more focused on the veteran suicide issue. Um, and it's not to differentiate us from everybody else saying that we're better than people. It's saying that the people that we lose in our community to suicide, they had the potential to be the very best of, of all of us, but we'll never know that now. Yeah, you know, uh, j just going back to the suicide thing, because again, I brought up the 22 mainly because that's the statistic that's kind of, you know, put out there uh, related to related to uh, uh, American uh, service. Did, is this similar? I mean, do you know about, you know, what kind of goes on overseas with with, you know, with, with other nations with regard to the type of uh, the type of mental health issues and suicides and things like that that take place from from their forces? So I, I can't speak for a position of authority. Obviously, I can only go off of um, my experience and interactions with people from other uh, countries and, and how it goes for them. But in the US, we're very fortunate to at least have an underlying basis of support for our military uh, veterans. In other countries, that's not necessarily the case. Um, and that's just due to cultural shifts in their society and how they view violence and how they view the necessity of you know needing a military and um, whether or not they agree with whatever the current war is, et cetera. But I, I will say that we in the US very much enjoy much more support than you know some of the people in in some of our ally countries and some of the people in the in the channel have have said as much because you because the best of us community is comprised of of veterans from all around the world right yeah yes yes we don't uh we don't necessarily discriminate although i would say that we we might have to put uh, uh certain barriers in place uh you know, for non-state actors uh, <laughs> who would want to join, um, like ISIS. Uh, you know, we, we do have our standards, uh, at least as, as our, uh, you know, as our culture goes. Now, as far as the relationship, uh, you know, I was alluding to it before, the relationship with, with broadcast for reps. How, how have you guys worked with, worked with them over the years? Uh, so in the past, uh, I worked pretty closely with Coffee Rocks. Uh, met him out at Vegas, and he was also, he was in the Coast Guard. <laughs> I'm not laughing at the fact that he was in the Coast Guard. Please don't be butthurt if you're a Coast Guard person. Um, but we worked pretty closely hand in hand. He would send people our way, and um, I tried to support whatever they were doing because, you know, it's not, an, it's not just something that's an issue for our community. It's an issue for all Western culture, all culture, period, uh, with the way that we deal with mental health. Um, and, you know, there's not enough emphasis or support sometimes put on it. And, you know, like Maribyrn was saying, uh, he needed to take a break just because of the amount of energy that he put into it. And that's something everybody should know that the people who do this kind of support stuff, like it, it can be really draining on a person. It can be draining physically, it can be draining mentally. So the, the job that they're doing, um, it's really an important one, but it also does take its toll. And I've kind of experienced a bit of that myself. Um, so you have to learn to develop kind of a, I don't want to say disconnection because that sounds, that sounds bad, but you have to learn how to temper what's real in your life and then what's going on in somebody else's life. Uh, so, but for, for a while there, we were working directly under the 501c3 of um, broadcast for reps. 
but I decided to take us away from that just because we have a very different culture from broadcaster reps. And that's not to say that their culture is bad, but it is to say that we are a different demographic of people that has our own individual culture. And the way that I deal with mental health issues inside of uh, Best of Us isn't exactly probably the best way to deal with mental health issues for people who don't reside within that culture. Um, I, I like to, well, I'll just leave it, I'll, I'll leave it there. From broadcast reps point of view, like, you know, if we get somebody that I feel is, you know, in that culture and kind of in that mindset, like, I still have no issues whatsoever referring them to Best of Us or, you know, another entity that's also doing and participating in the broadcast for reps movement. Nice. We've got, uh, we've got a couple more things coming up on the uh, show. We're going to go around the board and talk about what's happening in NullSec. I know not everyone lives in Nelsec, but uh, uh, that's, I do. <laughs> so that's what I want to talk about. And I also uh, want to give us plenty of time to, to hear the, the fun, rich version of, uh, of Triumvirate's uh, stuff with uh, XIX and friends. Yeah, so, so we'll, uh, well, you, know, we, you know, we can wrap up this part here. You know, I do, okay. you know, I do sort of want to wrap it up by making sure that that everybody out there recognizes. Number one, when we number one, when we call this the Memorial Day weekend edition of the show, right? Memorial Day weekend is here in the United States. Okay, that's that's obviously other countries around the world have uh, have um, remembrances for for their fallen um, at different times of the year. This just happens to be this particular weekend, and probably why Matterall's away somewhere. But um, yeah, so I mean, you know, if we can give kind of you know one last thing here, uh, you, know, you know, from from both uh, McLean and Marabone, uh, just to let people know again, you know, uh, where they can find uh, both of these organizations, how best to contact them, um, yeah, and any I guess any final words from them about you know what it is they're doing or who they want to reach out to. Go with Marabone first. Um. Like I gave you guys the link, so you know you're more than welcome to share that, which will put people right inside of our server. Like you don't need any kind of roles or anything like that, and you can literally join that under any name that you want to. It can be completely like anonymous as well, um, you know. And I just want to remind people that we are there if you're having more serious issues, and you know we're also there if you're just having a bad day in Eve and just literally need to vent to somebody else, um, you know. Our doors are always opened, and I'm really proud of the work that we've been doing thus far. And we're kind of trying to move forward and get a little bit more integrated with the community now and get a new website and all of that launched. And when we do that, I will uh, be sure to update you guys as well so that you can share that links um, you know, with your viewers and with your listeners too. A new website makes a big difference. I want to say thank you to Kiskora for the talkinginstations.com website. And we will put your um, your links up there on our site, both for Best of Us and uh, Broadcast for Reps. McLean, what is the uh, what is the best way to uh, you know for for folks out there to to get in touch with with you in New York? Okay, so in game, our in game channel is Best Space of Space Us. Um, Probably the better way to get connected with the rest of everybody else would be through our Discord server, which uh, they should be linking in the chat. We have one of those cool little vanity things. It's super easy. It's the best of us, all one word. 
Um, if you want to get in touch with me specifically, because you know you need to talk uh, to somebody about something specific uh, pertaining to Best of Us or you're a veteran, you can find me on Twitter is at Best of Us as well. Um, and just give me a poke uh, on there or in the Discord servers if there's ever something that somebody needs uh, uh, from me about that. Great. Um, you know, I do want to make, you know, one other thing here about the fact of, you know, while it's great what both of these organizations are doing, you know, for their particular demographics or, or, or sort of the, uh, the people most likely to be helped by them. Um, I think broader, broader to this is what I'll call the general Eve community. Um, somebody made reference earlier, and I'm not sure if it was on the show or before the show, uh, about the fact of, you know, just being in a particular social group, social setting within Eve has helped a lot of people. Um, when you look at some of the other things out there, I know within the Imperium, uh, a number of the social SIGs that are there uh, work as sort of, you know, bases for people to to be able to connect more with others and things like that. And I know that that happens around the game in, in, in various different ways. So so while these are, you know, kind of very specific to to some some kind of deeper and potentially darker, you know, you know, darker places at times. Um, you know, I, I think that the Eve community as a whole has these patches of kind of social connections out there that, that, uh, you know, d can be very positive. I mean, the, you know, as much toxicity as people want to talk about related to the internet and things like that, uh, you can, you can actually find a lot of really positive social connections as well. And go, uh, go to an Eve meet. If you're a nerd and you haven't gone to Eve meet and there's one near you, just bite the bullet and go out and go meet some other space nerds. Uh, it'll do you some good. Yeah, I also would highly recommend that. Like, I've done it. It's great fun, and it's been really helpful. And you can drink there there as well. And you can drink. Yeah. This is true. And you can make all kinds of funny uh, jokes regarding Eve, and normal people just won't get it, but you instantly connect with all of the other Eve players. If you've never been to an Eve meetup with other players, whatever you're picturing, it's better than that. It's really good. <laughs> yeah, it actually is. All right. Thank you very much, guys. Yeah, no problem. Uh, now, for a little bit of context, let's go along around the map just briefly and talk about what's going on in Nullsec. And that will set us up for Garst Tyrell to come in and talk a little bit about Triumvirate. Uh, I was usually when I approach this, I think, oh, let's start at the north and make our way around clockwise. But I want to do it backwards this time. Uh, um, we'll start in the east. And we'll go counterclockwise because I want to kind of end up in a certain place. So um, uh, in the east, for example, uh, uh, you see some activity from Snuff against uh, Brothers of Tangra and Horde. It's just a little harassment of some sort, but uh, there's some, you know, some going on out there. If you take a look at Ethereum Reach, uh, the Dotland map looks like a bowl of children's cereal. It is, it is uh, actually, it looks like a bad neighborhood going through trans uh, transition, maybe gentrifying, hopefully. Uh, but you'll see some uh, uh, activity going on out there of the Sob variety. Uh, in the it's, north, I mean, it still continues to be a very big station grab out there, right? I mean, is that basically complete at this point? Um, have they, have they, uh, hell no, pretty much wrapped that up, or hell no? And of course, that you know, 
on the day that the conversion happens and people start unanchoring, it's still not anywhere near complete. Do you have and, any idea? And you're and you're referring many, uh, to the east here separately from the northeast, I guess. So yes, sir. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm looking at Ethereum Reach at the moment, looking at this, and going, hmm, it's going to be fun to pick up any of that stuff and move it. But I'm not saying, you know, maybe someone has a plan. Okay. Uh, and then uh, in the northeast, if you go a little bit north of that, uh, you you've got uh, Skill Yourself and Volta and Hard Knocks folks who are uh, are cleaning up the area where you see DRF and DCU and them moving out of. Uh, they uh, there are some signs that some of them are are moving out of the area and heading southward, but. Um, Right now, it looks, you know, the, the main activity seems to be clean up in that area. It takes a little time to get it ready. If you're um, if you're jaded and bitter, you might think they're getting it ready for rental space. But, what well, you know, we're not saying that. We're not we're not that jaded and bitter yet. What, what, when did this name Holy Empire? Uh, or I didn't Holy say that. Or whatever. I have not uh, heard that name. before. I, the first time I saw about it, saw it was today. And I'm like, I'm like, whoa, when did this name come up? Yeah, I don't know either. I bet it was I mentioned first mentioned in a Reddit post. Reddit. It was mentioned in a Reddit post, and I think one of the Skill Yourself people made it up. Um, he was always writing very funny reports about what's happening in the East. He and, should check and... that with His Excellency. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he doesn't. All right, in the North, um, one of the uh, Goonswarm SIGs moved out of Pure Blind and moved up to Venal. It was getting too crowded in, uh, in in Pure Blind. I can understand. Got to spread the love around a little bit. But then um, Guardians of the Galaxy immediately announced a redeployment too and moved up to sort of counter. Um, uh, full disclosure, I have one pilot in that group up there too with them. So I've seen what's going on. And we, I was involved. With Guardians in the of the game. Galaxy or with the Imperium SIG that's up there? We'll just go with a yes, <laughs> and then we'll. Uh, uh, I was uh, I was present for the bad move up last weekend, where uh, where sort unfortunately sort dragon had characters on both sides of a gate, and was watching the action on the other side of the gate, and and took his eyes off his characters, his character on the other side. Well, dude, that was your main sort dragon. In in a in an avatar class titan, you got to keep your eye on that in space. Anyway, so that was um, that was sad. I uh, I was number two DPS on that kill. So sorry, sort. You would have shot me if it were my titan. Uh, and then, uh, but that was a lot of fun. Uh, so there's stuff going on in the in the north. Uh, if we Float down a little bit more, you'll see that, oh, there's some jiggling happening in what used to be years ago, the heart of the uh, the CFC and the Imperium uh, before the Casino War. So the Declan area, Fade Branch, all that stuff, there's, you know, the place is getting a lot of action. Uh, the latest is that MOA is going to um, drop from Guardians of the Galaxy collapsed down you know things haven't gone well for them this weekend uh, 
and they're uh, going to give up their space. The space, uh, apparently, we learned this from a, a recording of a, a chaos theory uh, a soda that got passed, you know, or a meeting of some sort that got posted on Reddit. But um, we learned that Mo is giving up their space. The the space in Declan's going to get sort of divided between Slice and Chaos. And then the space in Fade, we're hearing that all of Fade except DO6 is apparently being seeded to Circle of Two. Well, Circle of Two, who kind of came back to life after the Grand Betrayal, and took uh, set up in on the eastern side of Vale of the Silent is now apparently going to either move or expand. It's not quite clear. Um, uh, uh, does anyone in the group happen to know what they're doing? Okay, so the CO two folks are apparently we got to get one of them to come on the show next week. Yeah, there, yeah, there were some offers out I think to try and to try and squeeze that in because obviously we've got like you know late breaking news in terms of in terms of what's going on with CO2, in terms of what's going on with MOA, which appears to be basically a disintegration at this point. Um, you know, which is kind of sad because back when I was up in Declan with TNT, you know, you know from a TNT perspective, you know, they, you know, they were, they were people that, you know, would, would screw with us. We'd screw with them. Um, you know, that they, they were sort of that, that little group over there in pure blind that was always, always out trying to do something. Right. And, um they grew and expanded and you know became something different and and now because it it looks to be uh some leadership that has that has uh due to real life issues gone away right it's it's sort of falling apart yeah but yeah we i think the attempt was made to try and get somebody on or we just didn't have enough time to put it all together but uh, i would say probably by next week we'll we'll have a little more uh in-depth view into what's going on there and uh with co2 so keep your eye on this section of the map for this coming week because you you can expect to see some. Well, I don't know that Sov will change hands that fast, but you'll you'll expect to see some stuff going on in that area. Um, my guts say that a bunch of Moa folks will simply end up joining Circle of Two and staying in Fade, uh, but you know we'll see. Uh, if you go a little bit farther counterclockwise from there you come to cloud ring um uh it's you know if you haven't looked at cloud ring for a couple months you'll you might think that there's still some pandemic horde activity down there but it's not it's now basically some faction warfare groups a presence by the initiative and um, a little bit of caps uh, a little bit of activity happening there occasionally you see um uh folks being sent in to harass them like a, a black legion fleet anyone want to talk about that part and then um below that you got um fountain um there was a little activity when we had mercenary coalition briefly in there stirring stuff up and uh apparently someone had hired them to go in and cause a couple problems but it didn't last very long um we uh, we cleared out a couple of their structures that they had dropped to stage from, and and that sort of ended up uh, timing with a shift on their part over to the Aquarius Theater. So they seem to be moving over to that side now. Um, so no big deal. Uh, Delve is Delve. If you've never been to Delve and you and you 
read one of the monthly economic reports, I challenge you to get into a hyperspatial fast fit interceptor and just burn through some time and look at it because it's delve is crazy. It's like the Las Vegas of New Eden. There's no place else like it uh, in the galaxy. Or bring a hundred friends and kill a super. It's also fun. Uh, then uh, after it's basically like high sec at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it's high sec with no rules. <laughs> Nobody. I mean, talking. in terms in terms of flying, let's just wait. If you're some guy out there in an interceptor that's just you know decided to burn through and whatnot, right? You're gonna see you're gonna see a lot of neutrals to you or whatever, probably, right? I mean, because you know, just like just like going through high sec. I can see that. Uh, and then you you come out on the other side of Delve. You got you got uh, Aquarius where there's some activity happening. Um, there's layers of stuff going on. Got a little bit of involvement from NC Dot, who staged nearby in Losec, and they they're sending fleets in, and they'll vary it up sometimes. the uh, The other day they dropped this weekend they dropped Rokes on us, Roke class battleships, uh, and then um, uh, and and then it escalated just a little bit, and they pulled back, and they paused for a few minutes, and then dropped them again. It was it was cool. Uh, Good thing we were still paying attention and had eyes in the system, in our form up system. Because, uh, um, yeah, they're you know they. How big are their fleets? Oh, it, it varies a little bit. I think that rogue fleet was about eighty mm, ish, um, but I've and seen bigger. Win? I've seen hundred and twenty sometimes drop uh, on on something. Uh, depends, and I've seen them send out. You know, just all black ops or a bunch of falcons to mess with someone with ECM, or I've seen them do, you know, various other you know type things. You know, they they've got a lot of tricks in their bag uh, there, um, or capitals. They'll drop capitals, and and then um, uh, uh, what's going around the map here still? Oh, and go. Let's go. If we go, uh, oh, Providence. We should talk about Providence for a moment. Um, uh, Pandemic Legion had come in and taken everything. Test Alliance had deployed there and taken some of it back. Um, uh, Providence is going to be a, a setting of some activity for the next week or two while the station conversion thing goes on. Um, there was a recent battle report. I don't know. Did you want to stick that in the channel for them? Thank you, sir. Yeah, next station conversion is coming up June fifth, so I mean, there's not much, uh, not much time left before not that uh, before left. that happens. No. And then um, in the southeast, you got Triumvirate and friends um, who are uh, continuing to. I don't really want to speak for Garth since we've got him here, <laughs> but they're they're you see um, XIX and their folks are in sort of full retreat and regroup mode. Um, there are some um, uh, rumors about them crashing on Legacy Coalition's couch. I think those came from Carr, maybe. Um, and then um, and then there was a super cap move that was, I don't know, poorly planned. And just maybe not, maybe not well planned. And then maybe the... Participants didn't prepare for it very well. Um, <laughs> I'd like 
uh, I'd like to turn this part of the show now over to Garth Tyrell and uh, give us give us a little context about what's going on. Assume not everyone follows everything well and knows all the players and jump in, bro. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for getting the chance to come on the show and talk about what's been going on in the East. Uh, so the, for those of you who haven't been following last year, uh, we entered a war, tried it rather, uh, a war against FCON, Phoenix Federation, which was basically a tinder box for starting a whole war in the East that dragged in a lot of different coalitions, even as far as like you know the North UTG, Legacy, things like that, Horde. And so that kind of apexed last year with the fall of Phoenix Federation, Amencia Tenerifus, um, and then followed right afterwards by the fall of Inn's mother and Tri's departure from there for a few months till we came back about, I think it started about uh, early April, we started to come back. That's culminated now uh, as of this week with the full departure and defeat of XX in Inn's mother, the destruction of their keep star, and basically the massacre of their move up uh, last weekend, which was unfortunately why we couldn't come on the show last weekend because we were busy at seeing that. Um, so actually, I have some very exciting artwork I just made for you while waiting to talk. It's going to be debuted here on Talking Station. So I'm going to go ahead and throw that link. If someone can throw that in Twitch chat for you. It's basically my update on the East via paint. Via paint. Paint, paint images are always the, uh, are always the best. Paint. There you go. So if you can just go ahead and throw that image or link in there, people can have an idea of what I'm talking about while we do this. But yeah, so so... You know, and just to kick it back there a little bit, you know, obviously, obviously the Tri Keep Star went down, went down, was that April? Yes. So our Keep Star died, uh, I believe it was February, March time frame. I was deployed in Afghanistan at the time, so I wasn't there for that, unfortunately, but I know about, uh, I don't know, 4,000 odd people showed up to shoot it. Shoot yeah. it. So we tried a pretty valiant defense, but you just can't stop 4,000 people. Uh, so at the end of the day, Keep Star died, we moved on, we're back. But what was really interesting this week was basically the events that kind of led up to that you know, that rush, that botched move up of XX from Inn's mother that kind of led to that super cat massacre down there. So basically up until last week when they actually announced their evac and tried to flee, uh, DRF had really been kind of on the fence. They've been slowly losing. We've been continuing to uh, kill their Fortizars, kill their solve with our help from our friends, Lumpy, skill yourself, fraternity, et cetera. Well, not fraternity at that point, excuse me. Uh, Red Alliance, et cetera. We've been making slow but steady progress for like the time zone tank. Uh, the fact that the Citadels all come out at the same time at the same day is really limiting as an offensive entity. Um, but basically, they were telling their members, hey, look, you know, Tess is going to come help us. Tess is going to come save us. So when Tess didn't come help them, didn't come save them, and went off to Probi to go after the easy win and try and get some stations over there, I think that was kind of the first the first real nail in the coffin where they realized like, hey man, no one else is going to finally bail us out of this. And then they tried, you know, the oldest trick, trick and Eve, uh, swap your soft timers to AE time zone when you're losing a war. No, you can't defend, but maybe they won't be able to attack either. Unfortunately for them, they did that literally the same day that fraternity finally broke and ended their nip uh, with these groups. And as you probably know, fraternity is mostly Chinese players, so the largest AU time zone uh, null sec block in the game right now. So it just became a steamroll overnight where they were losing now in three time zones instead of two. Um, and they just basically packed it in. I think pretty much the same day, we just had Titans running around reinforcing whatever we wanted because they didn't make an effort to undock a single Dictor and try and stop that. They basically, at that point, it was very obvious that um, they'd given up and they were ready to leave. 
And to me, that, that's an amazing turnaround. I would have never expected that three months ago. I never really would have expected that six months or a year ago to see the developments that have gone on in EVE in the East uh, since then. A lot of things have happened, a lot of cool stuff that we've been involved in a try, a lot of cool stuff our friends have been involved in as well. And kind of the result was the move off as a, the finishing piece for this long, year-long war we've been involved in in the East. Um, so basically, after they retreated back to their Keep Star in 88A, we put, went ahead and put that into final reinforce. So they consolidated everything they owned in that one Keep Star, which gave them basically a four-day deadline to evacuate. Otherwise, they would have lost everything. Well, unfortunately for them, we've been busy killing every Fort Zar and Citadel worth a damn on their evac route towards the south, towards Curse, towards Legacy Space prior to that. And for some reason, I don't know if they just expected it not to survive if they tried it, but they didn't drop any Fortazars. They didn't drop any Citadels, as far as I can tell, the entire last two months of this war, um, which is an interesting insight into their leadership's mindset as well. Well, at the end of the day, um, we knew they were going to move up. We, had, we didn't know the exact system, but based on the ranges, and the fact that Test had a Fortazar in C-006, which is what they've been using consistently to midpoint around to us, uh, we had a pretty good guess they would go off that direction. Uh, Test formed up a fleet. Um, you know, at this point, it's one of those things where they had everything to keep Star, nothing was undocked yet, we don't really know what they're going to bring. And so we have to form up everything we can. We actually kept our dreads and cures and alts and stuff like that out of local specifically to keep our local numbers down to make sure. Because at that point, I was actually legitimately scared they were going to see our numbers and stand down and just give up and try again another day when we were less postured to help them. Uh, so we were trying to do our best to just not spook them too bad so they would actually go ahead and make the move up. And so when they finally undocked and our scouts reported 120 super carriers had just undocked, I kind of laughed a little bit and asked for a de-scanning. So, you know, we'd never seen more than 40 the entire time. And lo and behold, they had 120 super carriers alone. Because I guess that's where all the, the ratting super carriers finally made it back into the main group. Um, but I was pretty confident in our setup. I was very confident with our FCs and our allies and what we were going to do. And so I decided to take the fight anyway. Um, it was a little bit of a scramble to figure out what route they were going to do. Test, honestly, one of the biggest factors of why we went in was that Test completely half-assed it. They flubbed it. They brought a Munin fleet over. Um, honestly, I think it's kind of a fuck you to them as allies that you came and bring a cap fleet or a battleship fleet over. But they brought Munins. They killed the Sina Jammer in C006. And so at that point, we were thinking that they were probably going to uh, jump their carriers. Basically, we set up to fight them in C006 as they were likely going to jump their super carriers to the gate, jump through the gate, and then align for the Forzar. And we were set up to tackle them inside C006 and fight them on the gate, drop our Titans in range, all that kind of stuff. Well, Russians being Russians, uh, signed out their entire super cap fleet to a ping in CTAC LT and just sat there for 10 minutes doing nothing, not aligning, not moving, not jumping anything else. And at that point, we're trying to scramble, trying to figure out, like, what, what the hell is going on right now? This doesn't make any sense as an FC, as an experienced block. Um, so eventually, we decided, hey, look, it's a risk. I'm pretty confident we have. We know what Test has out. They got a few hundred people out. We know what their capital numbers are. We know they flubbed it and bring an immune fleet instead of a real fleet. And so I made the call. We jumped in. We jumped in at 100K, um, brought all of our carriers in and stuff like that. Luckily, avoided any crazy boson whelps from them right at the start and we started the fight um test went ahead and dropped about about 100 dreads they had formed on top of us at zero unfortunately fraternity lost an erebus there our only super cap casualty of the fight um, as they focused on the smaller fleets which had less um, apostles and triage to support them unlike the tri-fleet 
Um, XX started to jump in their Titans, Doomsday or Triage. Only lost a few there. Actually, wasn't too bad. I was expecting to lose a lot more. And at that point, we had Lumpy, which had a small super cap fleet there as well. Um, RMC was with us. And Fraternity and ourselves, basically sitting at pings. 100 came off from each other, just brawling out with Titans, long-range Titans, Dreads, etc. Um, we had about, between ourselves and eventually Dread Bombs from NC.PL and Snuff that wanted to help out, and a Great Wildlands Coalition in our own Dreads, about 400 Dreads on standby. Um, after that first Airbus died, there was a little bit of pressure saying like, hey man, we got to get some dreads in, get them off our, our carriers at zero to stop our Titans from dying, basically. Um, so we jumped in Great Wildlands Coalition. They had about 40 dreads. Between our supers and those 40 dreads, we were able to kill all 100 of those dreads on top of our super cap, our entire combined fleet uh, without any more super cap casualties. So that was great. That was a little bit of a risk. It would have been a slam dunk to drop all of our dreads on us to defend us, but then we wouldn't be able to do what we did next, which was we dropped PL, NC dot, and eventually snuff, as well as about 100 tri dreads at zero on the enemy uh, super cap fleet. And that's where our Dread SCs made the call to start burning down the, the Shield Titans and Shield Hells and things like that because they hadn't properly brought enough facts for them because their doctrine was armor. And so, of course, it was a no-brainer to go ahead and try and kill off those ships. Um, as you can imagine, a lot of those Hells were ratting fits. They weren't very tanky anyway. Uh, they died very quickly. And after we went through those, we started to continue bashing on the Armor Titans and Armor Supers. And as they were dying, it was obvious that... Uh, they did not have enough facts to basically support themselves to survive that 300 man dread bomb at that point. As you can imagine, that's quite a bit. So while that's been going on, um, XX, excuse me, a uh, test had been on the field. They had their mutant fleet basically fragging as many victors as they could get. They had their carrier fleet supporting the enemy carrier fleet at zero, sharing, you know, repping. They, were, they had Mendicalis, they were trying to rep up those shield supers from XX, but it just wasn't enough. You just can't survive the alpha of 300 dreads at zero. It's just not going to happen with the amount of facts they had. Um, so Tess was rage pinging like crazy, trying to get more supers logged in, trying to get a backup fleet, more subcasts, basically just everyone, their brother, trying to kind of show up. And they eventually went to uh, Oh Shit in Oh Shit System and Curse and had their super cap fleet there ready to stand on standby, ready to jump in. Um, about that time, Skill Yourself, Rage Burn, their super cap fleet all the way over from the drone lands. They made it in, jumped in next to us, so their Titans were helping us out as well. That's basically where we peaked at our, our side strength between, you know, trying friends and Skill Yourself super cap fleets with support from NC.PL and Snuff and Great Wallens Collision's Dread Bombs as well. Um, so XX was just dying left and right at that point. There is a lot of cares in the field. Fortunately, there were some miscommunications from DRF and Tesla at the start. They sent over normal fighters, about half normal fighters, half grams to our, our fleet at the very start. And so we were able to use all of our grams to win the fighter war right off the bat. Um, that was a big mistake on their part. So we basically had fighter superiority for the rest of the fight that was basically unchallenged after that, um, killing 5-0s, killing fighters, things like that. Um, basically, at that point, DRF was just trying to extract, so that's where those test units actually did help a little bit, was they were just killing our dictors, unfortunately. So we were able to use the bubble launchers on our super carriers to go ahead and shoot bubbles onto them and keep as many tackles as we can. Um, we're talking about 150 plus super caps, so when they starbursted out, you know, there's only so many you can keep tackled. And so I think the final total is about you know, 25, 30 super carriers, 10 titans killed. Uh, which is pretty damn good, and we're pretty happy with that. But honestly, about 
a hundred got away because frankly it was just too hard to keep them tackled with how many dictors were dying uh, you know the lag as you can imagine the lag in tie-dye was terrible we couldn't reinforce the system because we didn't know which system the fight was going to take place in and fighters just kind of intuitively you know lagged the node out a lot um, affecting all sides of course not just us um, but at the end of the day um, i'm actually really surprised how well our dreads did uh, in terms of how many of them came back out alive. Troy had about a 50% casualty rate with that, um, but I think PLNC Dot and definitely Snuff made out pretty well, killing a lot of dreads and not losing too many of their own as well. So I think that's kind of the, the fight in a nutshell. Um, had Test brought a super cap fleet from the start, we probably wouldn't have gone in at all, to be quite frank, just because it took so long to get some of our backup forces there. We just outnumbered too much. Um, so it was a gamble, but it was a calculated gamble because we knew uh, based on what we saw as the enemy having on the field and the fact that XX was set up for a move op. So all these caps we killed was actually way more devastating than normal because they basically had all their life possessions and ships inside their carriers, inside their dreads, inside their facts. Um, so to the individual players, they didn't just lose a cap. They lost basically all their subcaps as well. It was a, it was a wagon train. Exactly. So it was still set up for PvP. Um, but one thing I noticed is they jumped in about 40 apostles to start from XX, but they didn't ever jump in any replacements. I mean, that was all the facts they had. So once we got those facts done and they were no longer able to tank reps with the remaining facts, it was over with. I mean, it was just mopping up at that point and seeing how many we could kill uh, before they inevitably kind of got away. Yeah, so I think yeah. that's pretty much it. Yeah, are you right? Are you a DOD press briefing officer? Because that right there was the single, that may have been the single longest that anybody has ever talked on talking in stations from beginning to end with an after action report like that. And it was really good. It was like he was reading it, but it didn't sound like he was reading it. No, no I appreciate that. I, I never I never prepare anything. I just kind of shoot from the hips. I mean, I had the virtue of being there as one of the main FCs, so I was able to see it firsthand. Um, you know, I don't have any cool paint diagrams of how the escalations went and things like that. I'm sure I'm missing a few of the key details. But at the end of the day, uh, we had a lot of fun. Um, I don't think XX probably had too much fun, but hopefully everybody else did. And uh, we're looking forward to more big battles like that in the future. Now, if you're going to... Captain, Captain Patrick Archer, sorry about that, Carnos, but I just want to hit this real quick. Uh, Captain Patrick Archer said out on the Twitch channel, and I, Captain Patrick Archer, was he a tried to... Did he leave Try a while back, or... Anyways, he says PGL wrote in his update that he was pretty underwhelmed by our poor execution. Well, he was referring to our execution, not test execution. That and I'd say it's very easy to criticize other people when you're too cowardly to jump in your caps and support your allies. So you can easily criticize from afar, but I guess we'll never know because he cowered out and didn't jump in. <laughs> How much was if it you... in dollars worth, the whole battle? How much was the what worth? A dollar, like the dollar amount. That's uh, what people are asking a lot of times. Oh, I don't know. Was hit, we hit three trill with this kills. Anyone know how much that value is in dollars? Yeah, so it's, yeah, 4.3 trillion is worth, yeah. Somebody calculate that in the Twitch chat, please. I'm curious. Now, now if you're nah. going to give advice to uh, a budding young super cap op about to do a move up for his alliance or coalition, what... What takeaways would you give this person? For example, have everyone in a PvP fit, for example. So for the most part, they were PvP fits. I don't I, I didn't look at all the kills. There's too many to look at, honestly. So I assume that most of them were PvP fit. Um, really, 
the, the answer I would give is don't be lazy. Assume a worst case scenario. You have everything to lose and nothing to gain by half-assing it being lazy. Um, they didn't attempt to drop any citadels. I mean, Tess probably could have dropped a citadel for them. Again, they didn't think about it. They didn't do it. Um, an even better example was their super was when XAX fled Amencia after we defeated um, PFED November of last year. They were actually using posses to try and escape through Great Wildlands to go back up to Geminate, and Patrick and Try just dumpstered them. And it's like, why are you doing this? There's citadels in the game for a reason. Use the game mechanics to your advantage. And I think there's maybe laziness or complacency. I don't know, but you know, we took a Took a pretty hard toll on them before as well last year. What about their uh, uh, much discussed ratio of super caps to faxes? So again, the 120 super carriers was the most we'd ever seen from them. I didn't believe it was real uh, until I saw the D scan for myself because it was so crazy outside of what we saw from them previously. Previously, it was about 40 super carriers, uh, five to ten titans, which is pretty awful for a coalition their size. How long they've been in the region? How long they've been uh, care bearing? So that's kind of on them. Uh, but facts basically was really, really true with like coalition super cap fights, Titan numbers and facts are the bottlenecks. It's who has more Titans, who has more facts and everything else kind of takes a secondary seat to that. And frankly, XX didn't have many Titans and they didn't have many facts either in a bit of in the ass. Yeah. It's been, a, it, it's been a major reversal of fortune out there. I mean, you know, I remember back when back when the Tri Keep Star was burning and, you know, the, you know, all those questions of, you know, is Tri done, right? Yeah, you know, which is what you always get, like, towards the end of you know, the culmination of somebody being removed from a place or a major asset going down or something like that. But um, this is a very big reversal of fortune. I mean, like you said, if you go back six months or certainly a year ago, right, you know, to look at the landscape of of the drone regions and the east in general, um, I'm not sure anybody could have you know foreseen that. Certainly six months ago, even. Yeah, no, I agree. I would I would have been right there with you. I mean, when we so this is a misconception I want to clear up with the start of this war a year ago was when Try basically said from the start. I think we set it on made a show. We actually announced it. We said, "Hey, we're doing a peaceful reset of drone regions. We're leaving." We're giving back the Spire and Ethereum Reach, which we did, took down all our POS citadels, gave back two regions worth of soft DRF. And then um, at that point, we it was we had it wasn't exactly clear to us at that point, but basically stretching from Paragon Soul up to Cobalt Edge and Venal, there were backdoor deals and NIPs and agreements and things like that, basically designed to contain Tri, which was a 1500 man alliance, which is multiple collisions. It's pretty absurd when you think about it that way, but that's actually how it turned out. Um, so when we went to war with Phoenix Federation, kind of break out of that containment, which was meant to strangle us, um, you know, Tess decided all of a sudden that we were their forever enemies. XX jumped into White Knight, FCON, Solar, uh, unblued us when it was convenient for them, jumped in on, on what they assumed would be the winning side. So, I mean, again, they underestimated us. We took a gamble. Um, our strategic gamble was that we could kill FCON and PFED and break that off from that, that big coalition over there before we'd lose our own song. I was actually very happy to see how that turned out. Uh, we kept the offensive on the entire time in Mency and Tenerifus until FCON died. And then Tess basically gave up on them and left. XSEC gave up on them and left. And then it really wasn't until after um, that strategic battlefield had moved on that XSEC finally made a way overdue play for Ensmother, um, which basically took 
it wasn't the easy one they're looking for with such a grinder and it was not helping them because again they they have severe time times of limitations of their own uh so we had our stuff time for u.s time zone that they continuously called in other coalitions ranging from horde to guardians of the galaxy to legacy to come uh, basically just blob us out on timers and it got to the point where they weren't making significant progress that they actually and i this is what i think is really uh underappreciated as well is that xx left the drone regions they gave away geminate to pandemic horde that's not something you do casually that's something that takes a lot of deliberate thought and it was basically the only move that they could do to evict us from his mother was to physically live there with us otherwise it was a war that was never going to end and their guys were going to burn out as ultimately do happened you really think they later. did that because they wanted to evict you from his mother do you think that was their motivation so their mo that would not be a move that they can make unless Tri was no longer in his mother. The fact that they could, so they still held and intended to hold their entire drone region's rental empire as they, after uh, Tri left his mother, they went back up to go fight Skill Yourself and lost. So that was still in their plan. And if you're going to hold that area, you can't really hold it from his mother. You have to have agreements in place. You have to have uh, stagings in place. So yeah, I do think that. I think they would have never even put that on the table because who gives away the home region they've had for years? unless there's an extreme situation where you have to do that. You know, they didn't go solve sure they become pirates. Situation. I just think it was a different one. But Possible. I'm not saying it was an, an event in isolation, but I think it's definitely a factor that played into it, and it was what ultimately made our decision to leave his mother and now uh, and come back. Roger. Well, anyways, as much as I could listen to Gar's voice like all day long, um, we are running a little bit short on time here. We do want to uh, we do want to you know move on and and talk to Nova about what's going on with Bombers Bar. Yeah. Um, I think that there's a lot more to this whole try in the East story that's going to play out over time. So hopefully, now that Garst is back and uh, and around, we can uh, we can certainly have him on again. Excellent. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much for the invite. We didn't even get to address uh, what he sees what he can imagine happening coming up next. That would be fun too. But let's yeah. go to Bomber's Bar next. Would be interesting as well. Yeah. Do you have, like, Garst, do you have any concrete plans which, who you're going to attack next? Or do you not want to talk about it publicly? <laughs> I would expect that in the next 30 days, probably the summer, test will use XX's uh, withdrawal to their space as it casts its belly to attack and smother and make some herf blur for narrative about that. So at this point right now, we're just consulting our solve, uh, rebuilding some misc, getting some more titans, things like that. Um, but um, let's let's say all indications point to that very soon. So each should be heating up again over the summer. Nice. Be fun. So you're going to keep make, uh, making ballsy decisions on choosing your enemies? Well, sometimes our enemies get to choose us. And since Legacy decided to forget that we helped them move into the South by fighting Stainwagon that we're now forever <laughs> with them, uh, I think they want a piece of us. So we'll see if they do it. It's always great if uh, big Nullsec alliances are starting wars. Because in Bombas Bar, we need wars to have fun entertainment. It's For our whaling, it's great when in the background uh, they're like test. I think we even killed like a test super when you guys were having the fight because they were sort of busy somewhere else. And that they actually thanked us for killing it because um, he was not supposed to be redding. He was being told not Let's to go out and red. Let's back up for a second. 
uh, Nova. Let's yeah. start by explaining to people who've never heard of Bomber's Bar who who it is oh, yeah. and what you guys do, etc. So Bomber's Bar is an in-game channel with the same name and anyone can join. It's NPSI, not Purple Shooter. That means if doesn't matter what corp or alliance you belong to, you can join there and join those fleets and have great kills. Um, without is there an any... actual bar? Can you get a glass of champagne? <laughs> Well, actually, usually <laughs> on some kind of fleets, people bring a lot of alcohol to their computer and then we drink together. And so there's a also a Bombus bar. There's also a Bombus bar in Canada, but I contacted them. They didn't want to have a partnership. Nice. Okay, but, so it's a it's a chat channel in game. Yeah. Um, and a virtual bar. What do you guys do? We go out and kill redders. And we bomb fleets. That's our main business. But the bombing lately has changed a bit because, for example, the last big fight there, it was mainly uh, supers and normal capitals. And it's sort of pointless to bomb them. It's, there's no place for us there. Not really. You're we skipping a whole maybe. bunch of background info. Oh. Do you have a particular kind of... kind of people that are in the chat channel? Do you have a particular favorite yeah. ship type? Anything like that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Bombers Bar only flies cloaky stuff, as the ni uh, name implies. Um, anything with COVID Ops cloak can join, and all the new bros are welcome. We even have a bomber care. So when you lose your ship, you can apply for a bomber care, then you get a certain amount of ISK um, back. That's our social side. We finance that with loot and donations. And what else? And yeah. the how would you describe the characteristics of the people that are in the room? Uh, you mean in Bombers Bar? It's yeah. from from bitter vets to complete new bros. And, and sometimes we kill someone and then we tell them, hey, just join Bombers Bar if you can't afford another super, something like that. And they're all different corporations and alliances in each. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. Completely That's different. a key point. There's, there's Goons talking to NC dot guys in our fleets. There is pirates. There's high sec miners who have never PvP before. Um, there is a lot of new bros that see their first capital on grid, or have their first kills ever. So it's very very mixed group, and we make it work somehow. Um, and we're really practiced at um, making it a uniform fleet from the start, from forming. We make it the the base rules. We make them clear, and uh, we tell them how to survive the best we can. And we also have some training fleets sometimes to get um, people are a bit shy into PvPing. In my experience in in the fleets, the instructions were pretty clear. They they let you know exactly what to do next. Yeah, you didn't you didn't have to you didn't have to be experts on this to go in and participate. Yeah, you completely, the complete new bro can come as long as you have a COVID ops cloak, even if you don't have the skills yet to have a good bombing fit or whatever, it doesn't matter. As long as you bring a COVID ops cloak, uh, you can join the fleet and be of help It's in some way or another. Now, how long have you been participating in Bombers Bar? Uh, me, I think it's three or four years. I started out as a new bro and then I met Templeman in Nullsec and Three months later, I was in a bomber, and a few weeks later than that, I was seeing the first fleets. And sorry, if, sorry if I missed it, but is Templeman still involved? 
Um, he's he's now fighter firefighter, so now he's gonna have three weeks off. And I was chatting with him yesterday, so um, we're getting him back. But he's always quitting the game, playing Star Citizen and other stuff. But he's coming back sometimes when we tell him to. And how has Bomber's Bar or the how has Bomber's Bar changed over the time that you've been in the group? Oh, massively. It changed from uh, in Providence, five bombers are bombing a jump bridge and killing some small stuff to we have 100 man fleets and kill super carriers each fleet. It's, um, it's changed tremendously. The targets also changed a lot and the ways we do things had to um, adjust to certain changes CCP made and we're always adapting and trying to get new meta going in terms of cloaky warfare. And soon we're going to try out some new stuff as well. How do you pick your targets? Um, the hunters do all the work when the target picking. We roll around on wormhole fleets. We roll around the wormhole and um, we try to get good regions, get uh, behind the intel because most alliances have those intel bots that ping, oh, hunters, five jumps out. Maybe press this button and maybe warp off. So it's really easy for them to not get caught if they pay attention. So we're trying to get behind that intel system and uh, try to catch them when they're not looking and try to snag a Rockle or two or some other capitals in Imperium space, for example. You guys know this very well. They always counter drop with supers and titans. And uh, sometimes they just bring some carriers and stuff and maybe we can snag one or two faxes. Like last week, there was one point we caught a Rookle, we shot it, and then next door system, a hell was still redding. He didn't care. So we just dropped on that hell and killed it. Sometimes the hells have a lot of chutzpah. I don't know if you know this word. Chutzpah? chutzpah. <laughs> what, does, what does that mean? Right, no, never mind. Space balls. They've got space balls. Oh. That makes sense. Yeah. Actually, I think it's more uh, just that they don't care if they lose it. Yeah, I think they feel so safe, but um, when they miss that the sign on hip is deployed or they only have a few friends helping them, then it might not be enough. I think they brought a fax in or something, but if you have 100 bombers with focused void bombs, it's going to get rid of the fax really fast. Yeah. How has... Uh, how has... Never mind how Bomber Bar has changed over the last few years. How has your targets, what, how has the uh, landscape of prey changed over the last few years? That has changed twofold. First off, um, Templeman, for example, got more famous when he bombed like a 100, 200 men test uh, battlecruiser fleet, Fer no, not Ferox, Drakes, I think it was. And the bombing has changed in regards that big fleet fights now have uh, much less subcapitals, and uh, the Macarials were pretty hard to bomb before they got nerfed or changed. And nerfed is now fair. It's more, now it's more capitals. And also on the Redders that we kill, it used to be, oh, Rattlesnake kill was a great kill. Then the first people, or a lot, bunch of people started to red in... Um, carriers when they still had drones and we had like 20 man fleets and we were killing those carriers and now it's super carrier reading and rockles and 
sometimes we still catch carriers, but it's less. Excellent. And what what uh, time zones and what days of the week and stuff do you guys take fleets out? Oh, it highly depends on who's seeing. So mostly it's EU time zone at the moment, 1800 around that time, and uh, some US time zone stuff. And sometimes we just run the EU time zone fleets so long that we just keep them open, keep people coming, letting them come back in and um, maybe get a nice uh, late night US kill. But it's mainly when the most people are logged in, then the most targets are there. So it's most convenient for us to hunt in those time zones. Now you've got a, a mixed group of people in your fleet and you're going around picking almost almost random targets and you know whatever looks juicy that you manage to catch. Yeah, yeah, completely. What do you do in the situation where someone in the fleet is blue to the prey that the hunters have picked? What... What is your advice to your players and what do you do? We usually say that on each fleet, they don't have to shoot. They could just cloak up and warp off on that particular target and wait for the next Wemmel to be rolled, wait for the next target. Um, they can shoot them if they want to, but it's their decision if they want to get into diplomatic troubles or whatever. Um, but they're completely fine to just not shoot. I mean, some people maybe put a target painter on something that is really juicy sometimes, and they I, might get in trouble for that. I mean, I was going to ask a question that was sort of along those lines. I'm glad I'm glad Carneros opened it up. But what about from an opsec standpoint? That you know, here you have a mixed oh, yeah. group of people that are rolling around out there, and you know, all of a sudden you come upon a target that uh, is is let's say you know I don't know a pandemic legion ratter or you know a northern coalition ratter or you know imperium or whatever, you know. Does OPSEC come into play where now you have people within the fleet that tend to alert, you know, a potential victim? Uh, sometimes they do that, but they also kind of want to have the fleet to have fun. Sometimes they try, but Bombus Bar has been around for a very long time. So we, we have friends and all alliances and everywhere. So if we ever get told, hey, this guy is continuously, you know, like leaking intel from the fleet. Uh, then we might talk to that guy or not let him fly with us anymore. But mostly it's pretty, it doesn't matter because the the fleet members don't know what the hunters are seeing and what the hunters are talking about. It's a separate comms sort of. We have channel commander for that. And it doesn't matter too much. They can't leak too much information because they don't have too much information. Same with bombing. On bombing fleets, they usually don't know where they're going to go and um, they're just when they're in the system, they know which system it's going to be and we use Wemmel chains and, and it's very OPSEC. And also one thing about bombing we have on our Bombersbar homepage, I don't know if you could link it in the channel, we have on bombersbar.org, we have the intel for bombing, for bombing fleets and the, some of the try guys sometimes did it. I don't know if you know that, Gars, but on that uh, Keepstar defense, uh, someone on the try side of the fight was informing us so we were not bombing you guys first. We were actually sparing you guys until we bombed everyone else. And that's how it goes. The people who give us information get either bombed last or they can uh, pick a side that we should bomb first. So they can choose either or. And well, if you don't give us intel at all and we just get there on our own or get the information on our own, we're gonna bomb whatever looks the juiciest to bomb. And yeah, 
if you if you give us the intel you can do it anonymously and only free bombers bar fcs are going to see that intel so it's really safe we really keep our sources safe um if you want to give us your name or something but you don't have to you can just type the information in there and tell us who to bomb first then we're completely going to honor that a lot of people have done it before but not everyone knows that and someone in i think eve asher is that asher elias asher elias yep yeah, yeah he was blaming us that we're so impartial they were always siding with gotg and that's completely not true we bombed their enemies as often as we bombed them but if we know that a particular fc um in a particular group isn't really good at defending himself against bombs well well then bombing fcs are tending to bomb them more often it's just the nature of things it's just what blows up the best i'm when i'm not hosting a uh a show on twitch i actually am the ceo of an alliance in nullsec and when my guys ask me if uh, they can participate in bombers bar fleets i i tell them sure but look at everything before you bomb it you know so whatever target they picked yeah. you know if it's blue just keep your bombs for the next one yeah. and don't and don't uh don't release them yeah, don't they, get any don't get on any kills that are blue if yeah, you do well, i'll ask you to pay for the ship yeah but i think you're also going to be forgiving if uh, your side for example is um bubbling the enemy and then we bomb the enemy to pieces like the entire fleet and your two dictor pilots die as well just because they were tackled that's like uh, casualties right that's fine i guess well the survival rate of interdictors is generally <laughs> really low yeah that's just um what do you call that in the military term casualties no not casualties friendly fire friendly fire yeah expandables <laughs> it's a bit harsh but yeah I, when i see a dead interdictor on my alliance kill boards I don't actually click through to see what yeah, killed or anything. Yeah, I, if they were on the undock in Jita, maybe uh, because that would just be amusing in itself. But uh, no. Okay. So, is there so, is there anything you want to tell the audience about? Uh, you know, any last thoughts or any uh, message that you want to get out about Bombers Bar? Well, what made I you wanted... want to get on the show today? Um. I heard from a Bombaspar fleet member on my fleet where we killed another super um, that um, somebody from NC Dot from some podcast wanted to have someone from Bombaspar on. And then I wrote Metarol and he connected me with you guys. He is technically still in NC Dot. They have not kicked him yet. <laughs> Did you know Metarol? Well, why, why should they? Uh, yeah, I talked to him before. Yeah. Um, and also. Oh, the banner here is a bit in the way. Uh, well, I want to say happy birthday to Calcular, one of our FCs who has an FC, uh, fleet up right now in the Bombersport channel. And happy birthday to you, Calcular, and to all of the new bros. Keep on going strong. And I'm glad that you're always joining Bombersport fleets and expand your horizons. All right. I want to thank everyone for, for coming on. Uh, I appreciate it. That's been a, a, a great, fun show. I appreciate it, all of you. I'd like to uh, thank Commander A's and Gidea, 
who subscribed, and thank you very much. I also want to thank our producers on the show, Artemis, January, and Sarah, and McLeod for all the hard work in the background, keeping it all running, getting the stream running, putting the videos up and the links and stuff, and keeping us calm in between. I, I appreciate that. Does anyone have any messages they want to get out before we go? Uh, yeah, I do want to say that uh, today, today, as we speak, is the last day to sign up for the Alliance Tournament by 2359 UTC tonight, Sunday night. Uh, so if your Alliance is still wanting to uh, to get in there, maybe you want to, uh, you know, push, push that button. Um, and then, of course, we have got the Into the Abyss expansion that is coming this Tuesday. And then the following Tuesday, we have got the uh, we've got the uh, station changeover. So we're looking at a uh, fairly busy time here over the course of the next uh, nine days or so. Thank you all. Thank you very much. And I, and shout out to Matterall, who's off with his family this weekend. Uh, have a great time, guy. And uh, we'll uh, we'll hold the fort down till you get back. Thanks everybody for listening today, and thanks to all our guests who are on tonight. And uh, hey. Everybody have a good rest of your weekend, wherever you might be in the world. Happy Memorial Day to those of you in the United States. Enjoy the day, guys. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thank you, guys. Bye.